0: to be able to navigate the digital world of your organization whether it's using collaborative documents tools like Yammer uh, participating in live Q&As using video being making your digital presence felt inside the organization needs to be part of your leadership skill set and certainly if you don't have that And I don't just mean for the C-level, I mean anybody in any leadership role. And there is leadership at multiple different levels of any organisation. You can't, certainly can't thrive, and I don't think you should be allowed to survive. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So welcome everybody to this special episode of Digital Workplace Impact. It's a little bit different, because instead of me interviewing an interesting guest, I'm going to get interviewed myself. Will I be as interesting as my guests? You can be the judge of of that. But anyway, the subject matter and the reason why I'm going to be interviewed today uh, by one of my DWG, Digital Workplace Group, colleagues... Beth Gleiber is that I've recently posted up my 10 digital workplace predictions for 2018. And this is something that I've been doing now for one, two, three, four. This is the fifth year. And so we're going to use this as a special episode of the podcast. And I will now bring in my wonderful interviewer, Beth Gleiber. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hi, Paul. This is Beth Kleba, consultant and uh, facilitator at the Digital Workplace Group. It's so nice to be able to be here and to have this time to talk to you about your predictions for next year. Um, as we get started, Paul, before we jump into next year, tell me a little bit about these past five years that you've been doing this reflection process. You said five. How did you do last year?
0: Yes, I've been doing it for five years. And and one of the things that I always wanted to do was rather than just launch into a new set of predictions, I think the question is, you know, why would anybody read or listen to my predictions? Um, And so what I do is I do this self-scoring on myself uh, each year. And I go through and it'll be in the show notes. There's a link to the, uh, the blog post at the digital workplace group. Um, website, but I, I in 2014 I go I got seven out of ten. 2015 I got seven out of ten. Um, I had a fantastic year in 2016 got eight out of ten. Then 2017, sadly, back down to seven out of ten. And I wavered on giving myself a slightly better score. The two, pre- the three predictions that I marked myself down on were that the centre of gravity to work full work moves from the physical to the digital. I I didn't give myself a tick on that one because I think even though there is that switch happening from physical to digital I think we're seeing a bit of a almost like a revenge of the office as the physical environments attract people back so I didn't feel like I'd uh, predicted that one correctly. Uh, The other one was that public and civic organizations transform their digital workplaces and even though I feel that's definitely work in progress i don't think there's been a significant change as yet however interestingly enough since the predictions were released there's been a bit of a conversation on twitter with some people saying i think paul was too harsh on himself there because that's actually what's happening and then the the eighth prediction which i marked myself down on was you know our old favorite quality search so i i said that quality search would become commonplace it's improving but enterprise search uh is no is an, an effective enterprise search is sadly not common as yet so um that was uh having said that there are seven that i got i think pretty well in 2017
1: Really interesting. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover if we're going to try to talk through all 10 of your predictions for 2018. And knowing that you have an exciting uh, look ahead, why don't we jump in? The the Mm -hmm. first one, Paul, I know that's about people analytics growing. And you, you talked a little bit about search and that plays a part in this. But can you tell a little more about what are you thinking around this idea of people analytics growing as software mm. monitors starts to track us more and more.
0: Yeah. So this is a really interesting one. And I, I got into this concept by um, through an organization called Humanize with a Y. They're one of the organizations in what you might call the quantified workplace or this field of people analytics. Uh, and And the reason why I think this is going to be really uh, important is that it can actually look for metadata across an organization. It can see who's talking to who, where are the blockages inside the organization. And it's it sounds quite invasive and Big Brother like, the organization if you like watching what people are doing. But the interesting thing is if you make that all an anonymous, as I think it's a, a good thing to do it shows you where the flows are, uh, it shows you which teams are collaborating with which other teams. it almost um, shows you where information and knowledge is getting stuck and I think whether we like it or not, this ability for software to understand what people are doing and how they're working will increase. I mean let's face it uh, Beth that you know the issue of culture has been one of those topics that you can never quite get your teeth into and find the real data and metrics. And I think one of the reasons why this people analytics area is going to be important and will grow is that it it starts to get into some of the aspects of of culture and that side of things.
1: That's really interesting. I'm sure we could talk forever on that, this idea that instead of the softer side of something like culture, that you could use analytics as a way to monitor and track. And you didn't say the word manage, but I felt like that's mm. where you were going, that that could be a tool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is something that if you're starting, for instance, let's say you've got you know, 500 people in a particular area or business division, and you start to see that, let's say, in one particular region, there's a real flow of information and knowledge fl- moving around the organization. In another, it tends to be quite static. And if you then start to see a better business performance from one area of the business than the others, you can start to maybe look at, well, why is that happening? Is there a culture where people are fearful of sharing or exchanging information uh, and so on? And I, th- I was impressed with the sophistication of, of, of people analytics.
1: Yeah, and we expect that those kind of tools will change and change fast. Let's mm. move to number two, your second prediction, Paul. So your your second prediction is that Microsoft remains the enterprise platform of choice despite decent competition. We mm. know, especially in the intranet space, that there's been a lot of competition and change happening in the last year, last few years rather Tell me more about what you're thinking in this area.
0: Yes, there's been, you know, Slack, Box, Workplace by Facebook, Google Suite, um, IBM's presence is still important. Um, I, I, and, and there's an awful lot of organizations and, and services that purport to become the enterprise platform, you know, the sort of foundational digital workplace layer um that can manage all of the interactions, documents, etc. exchanges. But from what I see, Microsoft's is still the main engine for this. And I think one of the things that's happened as the competition has increased is that in a way Microsoft under Satya Nandela has really upped its game. I think it's become a lot more open to collaborations with other organizations it's been a lot more receptive to listening to what customers want and it's been innovating itself despite all of the competition and the forecasts of microsoft's not quite demise but just you know gradual losing its grip on the enterprise um i i still don't see that um as happening certainly not in 2018
1: Let's look at your next prediction, number three, which for me is connected to number two. Number three, employee experience playing a central role in a powerful digital workplace. Talk to me about that, Paul. What are you thinking Mm. here? How is it that you think employee experience will become more important as people are developing and launching tools?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think this, this sort of gets into the idea that you know, we all like stories and narratives to try and help us understand, you know, complexity. And I think one of the reasons why the digital workplace, um, you know, is a term that, um, you know, I helped coin um, probably about six years ago. One of the reasons why it's become so established in the industry is it tells you a story of of how work happens in organisations. And I think employee experience... Is is doing that? Employee experience r- is a really um, taking the idea of user experience to the next level, and it's saying, well, you know, we can give people a whole bunch of different technologies, we can give them different services, and so on. We can improve the functionality, the capability, but in the end, the thing that really matters to each employee or contractor, freelancer, is what is their experience. How many different systems do I have to navigate to? If I move from one location to another, does the digital workplace know that it's me? Does my data follow me around? Do I have to get new logons like I'm a visitor to, the, to this new facility rather than an employee of the company? And I think this concept of starting to think of the end-to-end journey, it's something that really came to me through um, one of the people I interviewed on the podcast in the last year from Verizon, and he had a, um, a role in charge of thinking about the end-to-end journey. You know, from the moment the employee starts work to when they when they switch off, which can be late into the evening. Um, what's their overall experience, and starting to understand what happens for people driving to an office. Does the system pick up where you are? Does it lo- know that you're coming into the building? Does it know that it's you? And I think this is, uh, uh, it, I think the employee experience concept and the story behind it is is going to grow and develop.
1: Yeah, certainly we see a lot of companies borrowing from the marketing side where the customer experience has played such a big role for a long time. Ooh. And it is certainly exciting to see this development where, as talent becomes more of a uh, an important commodity that mm. um, that this is something that companies are really looking to build
0: yeah I, I, and as you as you 're saying it 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 's often these concepts that are if you like crafted and developed in the external world move into the organization, and you know as you say customer experience um, moving from the the outside into this. Um, kind of version of employee experience inside.
1: Well, I'm going to move on to your prediction number four. And it's part reflection and part uh, um, prediction. It's about intranets. As we know, intranets have never been in better health. But surprisingly, Paul, email still remains popular. What do you Hmm. think about that? And what do you think it means for 2018 and going forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and this really is getting into the fact that ever since intranets were developed and when I started sort of working in that field in probably, must be more than 20-odd years ago now, um, there's been always predictions that the intranet's dead, intranets are finished. And it's usually um, some particular technology provider saying, you know, intranets are over, this is the new uh, magic elixir. And the reality is that you cannot run any organization of any um, moderate size, and certainly large organization, corporate or otherwise, without a high-grade, modern, engaging intranet. It's a front door into the digital workplace. And, you know, if they're dead or dying, how come they're in such fantastic health? And I I see their resilience as, as really quite remarkable. The other thing is that people used to say, well, intranets have got such kind of bad reputation. But actually, the truth of the matter is a lot of younger people coming into organizations have actually grown up with intranets that are really good, either at school or university. They found intranets that really work and provide really useful things. So they don't have the negative connotations that some of the older uh, workforce may have from early stage intranets that were really um, clunky. The other thing is, you know, and we keep hearing this, you know, Slack will replace email. Uh, workplace by Facebook will replace email. No, it no it hasn't and no it won't certainly not in the next year or two Um, email has been one of the most successful communication tools developed in the digital workplace it's a very it's a beautifully asynchronous thing so you can be working across different time zones somebody sends you an email when you're ready you can respond yes we all know email can be really really abused But it still remains very popular, very effective. So this is really a kind of statement of predicting that, you know, good innovations happening, but it's not simply collapsing intranets and email.
1: Interesting. Your prediction number five plays off this a little bit more, too, that collaborative tools are going to cause a shift from the individual ego to team contribution. Talk to me more about that one, Paul. Where do you see the workplace changing and how collaborative tools are going to help spark that change?
0: Yeah, this one I, I really um, like particularly. Um, and it really came to me when I was um, talking to David Metzer, who's the chief knowledge architect at NASA. And and he said a fascinating thing to me. He said that one of the changes that he'd seen in his Uh, Last couple of decades at NASA was that younger people inside NASA are a lot less about individual ego and a lot more about team performance. And he said that really the individual ego has shifted to, if you like, a team ego or even a team pride and contribution. And he said the reason was that a lot of the people coming into NASA had grown up at school and university with collaborative tools. They're using Google Docs. They're working in in, in, in small groups to achieve tasks. So when they come into the world of work, it's not just about in order to get something done, they don't see themselves getting it done themselves. They see that as an inferior way of achieving success. So their default system, and I know that we do this within DWG now, almost as a kind of standard, you know, as a project happening, create a Google Doc, work out loud, um, go on kind of silent periods where you're on teleconferences where everybody's typing into different windows and so on and we understand that actually the team is more powerful than the the individual and and I think David Metz's point is that the collaborative tools have encouraged this and I think they're going to continue to do this and I think that's a positive thing individual ego uh not a great kind of thing to have in organizations team contribution far more potent and powerful
1: yeah it certainly will drive a change from many things from you know how leadership happens in the workplace right if you're trying to steer a different type of performer to how teams are set up and what work looks like so i'm with you paul uh that's one (laughs) of my favorites
0: absolutely yes me too
1: number six is about ai and the intelligent workplace so this is something that you just can't get away at from these days. It's on oh. everything, how AI is going to be able to help reshape what work looks like. And you think that in 2018 and going forward that the that this is going to produce hype and reality in equal measures. Tell me more about what you mean by that.
0: Mm, well, I mean, it, it sort of got to the point where it, even my mum, who's 96, now knows what AI is and and you know and 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 at that point you realize it's it's completely taken over society i mean there was a, a mckinsey study out in the last few days that said by 2030 800 million jobs are going to be lost and and the question is what's going to come next you know, you can read different books. There's Yuval Noah Harari's book *Homo Deus*, really looking at what does AI mean for the future and and, and intelligence um, from a workplace point of view, from the tools that we use in work, which is kind of where AI has its its biggest role. I think I hear and and see quite a lot of things that about predictions of what Watson will do or can do, about what machine learning can do or will do. And often when you really kind of dig into that, you know, you find that it's not that great. It's sort of after two or three questions, the you know, the, 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 the speech is not actually finding you exactly what you want. Um, having said that, I think there are instances um, particularly with more intelligent search, um, with chatbots, um, and with other ways that um, things can uh, systems can find better expertise across the organisation, um, can reveal for you more real time data about the way that different teams and units are performing. So it's definitely a pivotal and fundamental change that's happening but i think it's really important to look and scrutinize carefully what it can do because what you don't want to buy into is the hype what you want to buy into is the effective productive realities of it
1: speaking of fundamental and pivotal change is your prediction for number seven leaders lacking excellent digital literacy will struggle to thrive or even survive in the workplace. Tell us about what all this means to being a leader in the modern digital workplace. Mm. What do you predict?
0: Yeah, and, and, and this one um, has been running for two or three years. and it, And it sort of started with a conversation that i had when i was uh, visiting an organization in norway and somebody told me about a senior leader inside the organization then they and they basically said well you know he doesn't really do technology it's not his thing he's not really into that and and i said so what would you be what would we be thinking if you'd said to me well so and so they really don't do reading they can't read they're not that's not their thing that's just not into it and and the point there was that um that kind of illiteracy with reading is con- would be considered sort of ridiculous absurd unacceptable but being digitally illiterate in a le- at a leadership level has somehow been tolerated and and my, my feeling now is that really this uh, pressure to develop real capability in terms of digital literacy, that doesn't mean you need to be able to code. It doesn't mean you, you need to be able to develop apps yourself, but you need to be able to navigate the digital world of your organization, whether it's using collaborative documents, uh, tools like Yammer, Uh, participating in live Q and A's using video um, and being making your digital presence felt inside the organization needs to be part of your leadership skill set and certainly if you don't have that and I don't just mean for the C level I mean anybody in any leadership role and there is leadership at multiple different levels of any organization um, you can't certainly can't thrive and i don't think you should be allowed to survive um i think that there are ways to upgrade somebody's literacy through buddying them up with other people at somebody else inside the organization which works really well the whole idea of um kind of digital buddies upward mentoring and so on but you need to really increase the digital iq of your organization um, and it should no longer be acceptable to be less literate than you should be digitally as a leader.
1: Paul, you have one of my favorite quotes in your book, the digital renaissance the, around comparing this to the old management philosophy of managing by walking around, that that was the expected way for managers to interact. And now mm. in the digital age, there's a new way to interact and be yep. present and have influence. Absolutely. Really interesting. Let's move on to your eighth prediction, that digital workplace rises in statues, that they no longer are considered the poor relation to external digital. What does this mean and what's the impact for those of us working with digital organizations?
0: Yeah, so digital workplace you know rises in stature no longer the poor relation um i mean for i mean and i know you know in your days when you were with ikea beth i'm sure this was the case that the the internal digital world of work was the poor relation it, it got less of the funds it was all focused on external marketing external services customer facing and it's not that i expect the levels of investment and importance to become equivalent but what i do see is a persistent rebalancing of the scales so there is more investment going into the internal ways of working because we all are starting to realize that if you need to be effective externally in the marketplace whether it's in terms of distribution logistics, customer service, etc. You need to have that strength internally. And in order to do that, you need to invest internally. And the conference board, which has got a very well-respected annual survey of CEOs, for the last two or three years, the number one item cited by CEOs is something about the world inside the organization rather than the world outside the organization. Um, So I think this is a very good time to work in intranets, collaboration, the wider digital workplace, because it's becoming an attractor of deeper levels of investment that it needs, and it's also rising in its critical importance. You can only operate externally based on strong internal foundations
1: i want to move you into your ninth prediction which is about the workforce and different types that make it up you think that younger workers will want a clear distinction between work and life so paul you don't think that work-life balance which uh many other generations think it's just sort of a mishmash of doing both things that you love family and work you think it's going to be a clear distinction tell us about that
0: mm. well i suppose this gets into the uh, this whole um uh, debate that's going on in society there's one around ai robotics work etc there's another one about switching on and switching off you know to what extent is the digital world if you like distracting us from the inverted commas real world how you know are we becoming addicted to our technology and and i think because one of the things that's happened certainly in the last 10 years is you can work pretty much anywhere at any time so that definitely has uh, advantages and uh, enables you to get things done that you wouldn't be able to do elsewhere etc um, but what um, I'm seeing from different organizations and it came home to me talking to people within one of the larger professional services firms they said that actually when they're on the journey into uh, work in the morning they don't want to log on to the services They want to listen to podcasts. They want to read books. They want to listen to music. They're not working. And they value the time when they're not working. And there's a little bit of a, almost like a kind of um, self-preservation around it. You know, I don't want to kind of, it's not cool to be constantly on with work. That's just being uh, busy. That's being addicted. You know, if you want to really gain some, Mastery over your life, if you want to have better health and well being as a human being, you know be on with work when you 're on and then switch off from it when you want to switch off from it so i don 't think it means that people won 't choose to work in a more flexible way. I think that 's here to stay it 's a really positive thing, but I think this this clearer distinction between work and life um, is going to persist. And grow. And, and I think that's a really healthy correlation. I don't like situations where, you know, we're going to switch off email on Friday, we're going to turn the systems off over the weekend. You know, people should take the power themselves and make their own decisions around it. And it's great to see that younger people are, are doing exactly that. Yes, it's an
1: exciting future, this idea of being present when you're doing different things, whether that's mm. family or work life, right? Well, it's hard to believe, but here we are at the 10th prediction for 2018, and it is about workplace by Facebook and mm. that you think the, their new status will spur better mobile frontline services across the industry. So not just that Facebook will be used and grow in popularity, but this will have a change within our society and how services are offered. It's really interesting. Tell us more.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I always remember a few years ago being at a major oil company and they were saying to me, you know, well, we really want to kind of upgrade our digital workplace. And I said, so, you know, and, and, and how many employees have you got and how many people are connected? Well, we're just talking about the certain, you know, the knowledge workers inside the organization. We don't want to connect. Um, there's probably about 25% of the organization who just weren't connected. And I said, and what's the kind of plan around them? They, they, well, they, they just weren't that important. And I felt, and we've seen this across multiple different organisations, that there are, there's been a group of people who've been digitally excluded, almost like the kind of a uh, sort of digital underclass inside an organisation. Um, and often they're in the frontline roles, they're providing frontline services. And, and one of the reasons why they haven't been included is it hasn't been seen as that important, but also the technology... Um, really hasn't enabled people to easily access all of the different digital workplace services that you can and might want. I think the cha- the change and transformation that workplace by Facebook has brought is really excellent mobile frontline services. And so it's really about an, an in- it's a service that includes everybody digitally in the organization. Now, that needs to be available through all of the different technology systems that maybe that people could use because you know workplace by facebook's really uh, good and popular but it doesn't mean it's the only uh, proposition there is so i think what that's going to do a bit like the kind of competition for microsoft it's going to force other providers and technology developers um, including Microsoft to provide mobile frontline services that are as just as good as those offered by um, workplace by Facebook, and and so that means that we're going to really enter a world where there will be no digital second class. It will be equally available to everybody inside the organisation, and as the organisation organization's workforce shifts from employees to one that's more uh, mixed with contractors, freelancers, people working on specific projects, partners, supply chain, and so on. I think this is going to be uh, ever more important.
1: Well, thank you, Paul Miller, for giving us a chance to hear what your 10 predictions for 2018 are. It looks yeah. to be a great year coming ahead. I have so, one more question before we yeah. we we end up, which is, Paul, uh, of your 10, are there any that you really hope come true? You know, we know that your record for the last couple of years is seven or eight out of 10. Are there any here that you say are really important Ooh. that we really well, have to band together and make happen?
0: Well, I'm going to ask you the same question in a moment, Beth, but... Um um that's a really good question it's like which is your which is your which is your favorite free child yeah um fortunately in this case 10, ten not a bit different to the number of children i've got thank god but anyway um i i'm i'm, I'm kind of I, I think the one i'm going to go for is this collaborative tools encouraging the shift say. all right from individual ego to team contribution because I think I think you know it sort of feels almost philosophically or spiritually a good place to go to. Um I was I was go- going for that one. Um the other one I like maybe again because it's something to do with the future and and our relationship between technology and work is is number 9 which is younger workers finding this clearer, wanting this clearer distinction between work and life. But uh, i ask you, Beth, what do you think about the, the kind of range of different predictions here?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a range and you can still see, or at least I can, the red thread that goes between them, how if one thing happens, it will trigger another. And I agree that there's something really important about seeing work from moving from individual to the team contribution and how that opens up new possibilities for things like um, being able to work with more transparency, to become more agile, to having the openness. And we'll almost be able to see that through things like growing leaders, having more presence and showing their digital leadership and knowing how to apply different types of um, how they're being leaders in different ways online. And then we'll see the value growing, like your prediction number eight of the digital workplace rising in statue. So I find all of these tens very connected and very exciting, frankly. It is such a great time to be involved in this type of work and helping humans change how they work together and make good things happen.
0: Great. Well, thank you, so much, Beth, for uh, being kind enough to come on and interview the, interview the interviewer. And um, I enjoyed it. And um, um, it was a pleasure to go through them with you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And this is Beth Gleba with the Digital Workplace, signing off.
0: Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com and thank you for listening.